But I've been spending some time talking about uh, the Proverbs and preaching through the Proverbs. We're going to take a break from that today, and then we'll, we'll get back to it next week. But I don't know about you guys, but and the Proverbs have a way of just hitting me right in the gizzard. Um, there is a, I know as people, we don't have a gizzard, all that kind of thing. Although at a youth group event, I saw a guy convince one of the other kids in the youth group once years ago that she had a gizzard. But anyway, that was another story for another time. And it was kind of entertaining. But the idea is, is that there's something about the Proverbs that just hit us hard. Um, because we look at those Proverbs and, and what it means to live a, a godly, honorable life. And, and when we take an honest assessment of ourselves, we think, boy, that's a, I've got some ways to go in that. And that's part, that's very healthy because that's God's word getting into us and working on us and saying, all right, you're not there yet. You've got ways to go. You've got transformation that's coming. And so you need to look more like what these Proverbs are talking about. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll go back to some of those and, and hit a few more of them here in the next, uh, next weeks coming up. But as we're getting into September, kids are starting into school, whether they're at private Christian school or public school or home school. They're back in the saddle and uh, people are starting to come back from vacations and uh, hunting season is upon us here soon. But there is a, this is usually a time where we, we can rethink of how we do some things and make some decisions for our families. And so we have, uh, uh, we've done life groups in this, in the church here, or groups that meet in homes, uh, after our assembly, uh, to promote fellowship. And I'll, I'll talk more about that here in a bit, and our plan is to, uh, to start on those here before long. But I wanted to spend some time talking about community, and why community is so important, and, and what community is. If you're here a while back, I, uh, watched a documentary that talked about pursuit of happiness and how people can find true happiness in life. And this documentary went through all of these different avenues and trying to find happiness and where does it come from and, and all that. And what they boiled down to is, is it really has nothing to do with finances at all. It has nothing to do with so many things. But if a person is a part of a community, oftentimes happiness flows out of that. And there was examples of um, people out there in the middle of... Um, the swamps in Louisiana that would get together once a week for dinner and they would eat and they would have a good time and they would catch all these crawdads, I guess is what they're called, and, and they would eat them. And just the, the fellowship and the community, the term fellowship wasn't used, but community was held up over and over again, is how important that is for happiness or a good life. And our world is, has changed. Community has changed. Um, I remember uh, just not long ago when I was in college, how people interacted in community is different even than now. And when I was a kid, it was different. And technology has changed a lot of that, hasn't it? How many of you communicate differently by your technology now than you did before? Oh, yeah, we text, we use social media, we do things like that. And it's just, it's different. It's, it's not how, we, how people have communicated before. Some of it's great, some of it's good, and it's fantastic, and it's wonderful. And like, for example, right here, we're broadcasting out and there's people in different places that are listening and will be over the next while. There is something that happened really neat this week is there's a, a lady that is connected with our online community uh, that lives in California. And I told uh, Cody Baker about it is uh, she sent, uh, heard that uh, little Arlo was born. So she sent a gift and there's a gift there in the back. Did you see it? You got it. There it is. There it is right there. There's a gift came in the mail to the church. For Baby Arlo, someone who has never met Baby Arlo, has never met Cody and Holly, 
but saw that the baby was born here and, and uh, was, was blessed and prayed over and said, I want to be a blessing for that. That wouldn't have happened a few years ago. And that's wonderful. Isn't that amazing that that sort of thing can happen? And uh, we can share each other's lives that we've never even met before from long distance. And, and it's, it's amazing. But there's a side to it that, that is more difficult. Uh, because there's really nothing that can place, replace face-to-face community, right? Sitting down at a table with someone and eating dinner with them and uh, just sharing life. And uh, some of this technology can be an aid and can be great, but man, nothing can replace just face-to-face, can it? It can't do that. The analogy that uh, some of us were talking this morning that I thought about in, in terms of this is a lot more people uh, meet each other online now, right? And uh, they, there's dating websites or whatever it is, or they, they just are part of some, some group that has common interests and they meet each other online. But if they're going to date, sooner or later they're going to have to meet face-to-face, aren't they? Yeah, that's just how life works, because you cannot uh, just eliminate face-to-face, and that's so important part of community. If you go to Revelation, I'm going to read something here that uh, is this ideal picture where we're going to all exist and participate in someday. Revelation 21, and I'll start reading in verse 1. It says, and this is John seeing something that's beautiful and amazing and trying to put human words into a description that is beyond his, his ability to do so. It said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see what happens here is that here is a beautiful picture, a very brief picture, but very beautiful picture, of you have God and mankind existing and living, dwelling together. The last time that happened in this way, was in the garden, Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve walk side by side with God and there's this beautiful, harmonious relationship. Sin enters the world and God has continually tried to, to rekindle and, and fix this relationship over, the, over time. But as we look around, we know that we're not a finished product yet, are we? We're still in process. And so John was able to fast forward and God showed him is that someday... This is what the finished product is is going to look like, is we're going to be able to sit side by side with our Creator and speak freely and talk, and there's not going to be any more evil or any of that stuff anymore. It's just going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And that is what community is all about. And in the meantime, God has left us here saying, I'm going to give you my spirit, but your job is to start looking like this. You're going to be in process And I know there's going to be shortcomings. Read 1 Corinthians. There's plenty of shortcomings that we have in this life. But what you're going to show to the rest of the world is something beautiful. You're going to be this city on a hill, this light that shows what I'm all about to everybody else. So here's some scriptures that talk about community. I think that are are important for us to consider and think about here. Community is, first of all, we are a community that is very unique. In 1 Peter it says, but you are a chosen people. 
So an adopted people, someone that's chosen, saying, hey, why don't, why don't you come be part of my family? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, or a nation that is set apart, that is different from the other nations. God's special possession. And we have all of these blessings, all of this identity, because uh, he wants us to sit around and just enjoy it ourselves, right? Is that what he says there? that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called to be the community of God, and these things that are set apart, these descriptors that are different than the rest of the world. I doubt anybody here has royal blood, right? I have an aunt that did, uh, has done a lot of, of research into my family history. And she is, it's good research, valid research, and she went way back and figured out that my ancestors, and on both sides actually this happened, but on my mother's side specifically, my ancestors came to the New World in the 1600s. And long before Ellis Island, we've been here a long time, and what she discovered was, is that, you know the story of Richard the Lionheart and Prince John? Prince John's kind of a rat that tries to take the crown while Richard is gone and all that. Well, apparently, I descend from Prince John. Yeah, yeah, not exactly you know, something I can look back and say, oh, well, good. But what happened a lot of times in those, those royal families in England is there were a bunch of kids and there were only a few that could be in favor. So the rest of them had to find something else to do. And my ancestors decided, hmm, I'm going to uh, go to the New World. That sounds great. I'm going to get out of here. Maybe they did something, got in trouble. I have no idea. That's been lost to history. But it makes me think is that that's probably about as close to royalty as most of us get in this room, right? But if you look here, God says, no, you're a royal priesthood. You're, you're my people. You've got a spiritual royalty that is beyond anything in this world, anything physical you can touch. It's great. And so if you ever wrestle with your well-being, look at this scripture. Because what God has done for us and his plan for us is so much greater and more beautiful than, than anything we have in this world. But we are given all those things so that we can... Show light in darkness. Proclaim the praises of God. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's uh, what God has, has done for us. I watched a, a seminar online. It's usually a conference where people fly into Nashville and participate with the um, North Boulevard Church of Christ. And it's a, they have a, uh, it's called the New Day Seminar. And what they do is spend time talking about making disciples and growing disciples. And because this year the COVID stuff is happening, they had it all online. So I was able to watch and to participate some of it here this last week. And one of the presenters talked about how, remember, to do the Great Commission, you don't have to have anybody's permission, right? As Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. You don't have to ask church leadership. You don't have to talk to anybody else. That is a command and a direction for all of us. And the same is true with this, is that we don't have to ask anybody if we need to be a light to the world, right? That's what God tells us, is that you are, you are this special people that I've created to be this brilliant example of what I am to the rest of the world around you. That's what you're supposed to be. And so, just think about it in these terms, and the analogy was used, is that there's a if you walk in, you look at one of these lights right here, you look at it and you can see that it, it helps light this room a bit. But if you focus a light down to a very precise point, what does it become? A laser, yeah. And so 
We can focus ourselves on a whole lot of different things in life. But it's important for us to come back to always remember that we're called to be a light to the world. That's uh, fundamentally what our purpose is. We're a unique community that's, that's designed to be something different. Furthermore, we're to be a, a community that is a healing community. You look at this picture here before I pull the scriptures up. This was a devotional of, of uh, uh, teenagers and high school or college students that happened at our house here a few weeks ago. And, boy, it was just a beautiful spirit uh, that as we sat around and talked about uh, spiritual concepts and how God was working and transforming in our lives. In the teen class today, same discussion, you know, great discussions um, that, uh, about what it means to look like Christ. And it's just neat to see that great spirit developing in, uh, in this crew and, and bringing healing to each other. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin, or continues to purify us from all sin. And so our job is just to continue to march toward Jesus and realize that the shortcomings we have along the way continually are purified by Jesus. That's who we are. We're a healing community. But you notice, we don't do this alone, do we? Because we have fellowship with one another. You and I get to walk side by side in this life with God saying, hey, come on, it's going to be all right. We're going to make this. You fell short. It's all right. Jump back up and keep going. It's going to be fine. It's all good. God is good. God is continually healing uh, us, uh, and we get to do that together. That's part of living in community. Also, uh, James says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, how many of you guys had a garden this year? We're getting right to the end of it. It's about done, right? How many of you had a good garden? Raise your hand. Okay, there's fewer hands went up. Yeah, some of you are just rock stars at all that. I know that I've, uh, Sylvia takes care of the garden in our home and it works great. If I take care of the garden, there's something just happens. It's, it's, it's really amazing. I don't, I don't know how it all happens. But I can grow weeds absolutely anywhere. And I can, I, yeah, I can plant it's, it's miraculous. I can plant tomatoes and weeds and knapweed will come up. It's just, you know, I don't know how it happens, but that, that's what happens. But think about this. Sometimes I think part of it is if plants don't get enough water, they wilt, right? If you've been to a garden that hasn't been watered, you look at it and the soil is dry, the plants are dying, things just aren't going very well. But what happens when you give that soil enough moisture? All of a sudden, things look green and start growing and fruit is produced because that needs moisture. And so for us, it works the same way as that we have, if we, if we are not transparent, if we're not confessing our sins to each other, if we're hiding it, if we're putting up this, as it's called, a glittering image that everything looks great but it's really not, then what happens is our soil becomes dry and will not produce fruit. And it's destructive. And I think that's a helpful analogy for me to think about, is confession is like water. It's this, this water that just uh, produces, a, that, that nourishes the soil and so it can produce great fruit. And the same thing happens in our lives when we walk through life in a healing community together. Here's another scripture that um, we understand from scripture that the community of God is a forgiving community. There is, and I've shared this before, sometimes we have discussions over what is a salvation issue and what is not. But what is extremely clear from Scripture is that forgiveness is a salvation issue. If we are unwilling to forgive, we will not be forgiven. That is clear, crystal clear from Scripture. Jesus says that in extremely clear words. 
He says, bear with one another and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I'm sure you guys don't have this, but in my house, we have conflict every day in my house in some form or fashion. I'm sure you guys don't. You wake up in the morning and everybody's happy. Everybody, I mean, just, you know, it just flows, right? How many, is that, no, that's not really true, is it? Because the reality is, if we've been around life at all, is there's lots of conflict that happens in life, and it happens on a regular basis. Something Sylvia and I try to do is to help that conflict happen in a mature way. And sometimes we succeed, and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we're part of the problem. But I remember in the pre-marriage counseling material that I use, is that prepare and enrich, is that the, the couples that, that share that they have the highest level of satisfaction are not the ones that have the least amount of conflict, okay? They're just the ones that have learned to walk through conflict every day and not be afraid of it, not realize that, oh, this is the end of the world, but just realize, hey, it's all right. We're going to deal with this. It's going to be all right, and we're going to grow from it, and it's going to be okay, and we're going to be great. And when we learn that and we learn those skills, then, then amazing things happen, but forgiveness is necessary in all of that. But that is what uh, the community of God is supposed to be. And isn't it, for if you've been in a situation, all of us have, as we're sitting here, where forgiveness is extended and accepted, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it great? Isn't that how things are supposed to be in God's kingdom? That's the way we're supposed to, to function. And it's so different than, than so many other things that happen in our world. But this is a community designed by God to be a community of forgiveness. Furthermore, it's a helping community. Here's a Galatians chapter two or chapter six verse two says, "Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ." Now, there is all sorts of ways to fulfill the law in the Old Testament: sacrifices, all of those type of ritual laws. And this wasn't excluded, but you note what is said here by Paul, is that you want to fulfill the law, you want to fulfill the law of Christ, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbors yourself, then carry each other's burdens as you go through life. And, um, and just, just take care of each other in that. I know that for myself, when I start thinking about, oh man, poor me, I'm having to do all this stuff and no one is helping me with all of this stuff. What I realize is that that's just Satan talking, trying to get me bitter. That's all it is. But it's when I look around and I say, what can I do to be a blessing for others? Man, I can just see the, the, the blossoming that happens spiritually in my own heart. One of the things I know is Gary and I were talking about this morning, something that Gary does for me that I really appreciate, and I'm really thankful for it, and I hope I share that enough to you. But it, probably once a week or twice a week, Gary just sends me a scripture on my cell phone that something that, that he found or something that touched his heart, and he shares that scripture with me. He doesn't say anything else. He just shares that scripture. And I always appreciate it because somehow, Gary, our, somehow you always know the right scriptures to send to me. What I need to hear that convicts my heart or changes me or transforms me, encourages me, whatever it is, it's great. But I appreciate that so much that Gary just takes that little bit of time in order to send me a scripture to, to light my day up somehow. He's helping carry my burdens. I know, and this is, I'm just a few, something that uh, I know that Lori Burgess is, is still a meeting at home and has not uh, rejoined the community here uh, since COVID hit. 
But one of the things that she does, and she tells me on a regular basis, and says, Chris, is there anything that I can pray for for you and your family? And, and she said, there's some things, maybe a lot of things that I can't do, but what I can do is pray. And I'm so thankful for that, because she's helping carry my burdens. You know, hopefully we can do that for each other. That's what God calls us to do, because we look like Christ when we do that. And it's amazing how our attitude can change when we stop thinking about what am I getting out of this situation and start thinking what can I give and what can I do to be a blessing to the person right next to me right now. Really, really good stuff comes out when we make that transition. A helping community, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. Hey, this is part of what a helping community looks like. If you look around this room here, we're not all the same sort of people, are we? In our world, we tend to gravitate towards people that have the same interests or have personalities that are compatible to ours or person in a similar socioeconomic class, that sort of thing. We're drawn to some people more than we are to others, right? That's natural. That's normal. But in the kingdom of God, he asks us to, do, to go beyond this and, and to be a helping community that looks beyond some of these differences that the world may see, and we see similarities. I know that um, sometimes there's, uh, we can be really different, and, um, and if you think, man, I don't know about church, this, this church thing because there's all sorts of weird people there. Well, somebody might think you're weird, okay? We can be judgy like that. But I was thinking about this week, and uh, partly because of the conversation that David Eater, David Eater and his family sitting right here. I think if any of you talk with David and I for a while, you figure out that there's a lot of differences in how we, who we are. David is a computer genius, right? Yeah, he's, he's going to debate that, right? I'm not. Now, I tend towards being excited about athletic endeavors. David, maybe not so much more. We're really different people. But I know in the, in the couple of years or so that David and his family has participated with the church here, I have grown a ton from interacting and listening to David. Now, David is, brings things to the table and shares things from, with me that always sharpen me and make me think and make me wrestle, and I appreciate that very much. And that difference adds something that's, that's really wonderful uh, to the church here. Uh, live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And so David demonstrates great spirituality in willing to associate me with low position. I mean, that's how it works. You know, he demonstrates great spirituality. And we all can uh, bless each other uh, because of, of those differences. There is uh, something else about a community that we see in Scripture is that we're to be a community that is transforming, a community that is changing and, and growing together. Paul says here in Thessalonians, as we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. You know, if there's idle and disruptive amongst our job is to, hey, let's, let's call you higher. It's not how things should be. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. And so we continually work to sharpen each other to be everything that God wants us to be. Little by little, gently, but that's, a, that's what we're called to do. Not only that, a transforming community is, here's something we see in Hebrews. I think this is beautiful here. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You notice what is, is shared here. He says, uh, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. A spur. What do we use spurs for? Jim, you're a cowboy. What do you use spurs for? 
<laughs> Encourage the horse to continue on. That's right. That's what spurs are for, right? I've never had a pair of cowboy boots on in my life, and I've never had a pair of spurs on, but I understand that's what they're for. It is to spur the horse to move forward. And that's what, uh, that's the image that is used here, is we spur one another on towards moving forward. But you notice how we have to do that? Is we have to do that by living and existing in community. It appears what's happening when the Hebrew writer writes this is there is a, there's been some, some tough times in the synagogues. Because in the early church, the churches and the synagogues were hard to tell the difference sometimes because whole synagogues would become followers of Jesus. And they didn't cease to become Jews, they just became followers of Jesus. Hey, this is the Messiah, of course, this is great, fantastic. All right, we're going to follow Jesus and, and uh, just pursued that. But what happened, you get towards the... Um, Towards this time, there's a, there's a pushback from some of the Jewish synagogues saying, wait a minute, we don't want these Jesus followers in here with us. They should not be among us. We don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We want them out. And during that time, there was a line that was added to one of the songs that was sang in the assembly when they came together in the synagogue. was, let followers of Jesus be destroyed or accursed. And so the Christians could not be there in and sing that. And so they had to wrestle with, well, what do I do now? And some of them just stopped meeting. And I think this is something that's it's probably uh, valuable for us right now, is that with, with the... It's hard to... There's some that in the, the community here, about a quarter of us or so are not meeting here physically. And that's great. Now pick your time. I'm looking to you here. Pick your time. It's all good. But let's make sure all of us... Um, whatever our situation is, don't use this COVID as an excuse to say, all right, well, the community is not important anymore. Um, because that's, that's always, that's never going to change as the community of God is important because what happens is when we give up meeting together, what happens is we start getting cold ourselves over time. I heard an analogy of a guy who, uh, there was a young man that had uh, become a Christian and and he was active, he was participating, and then he, he, he drifted off. And uh, there was one of the elders in the church went over to visit, and they sat by the fire. And as this fire was burning, the, uh, the, the spiritual leader took the fire tongs and pulled out a coal and set it away from the fire. And it was red hot when he took it out, but within a short time it turned black and it got cold. And he took the coal and he put it right back into the fire and it turned red again. And the young man said, you don't have to say a word. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Is I'm missing out. I'm missing out. This community is so important like that, that if without it we, uh, we, start, to, we start to struggle spiritually. We see things differently. It's hard on us. So our job is to encourage one another higher as we come together. Community is also a community that is a gifted community. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's what we're called to do. Every one of us is gifted by God in some way. To be unique, to function in a way that nobody else can. And that is unique to you. We were talking about that in the teen class tonight as uh, we went through, uh, or th- this morning, uh, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the, the lost son that goes back, that goes away, comes back. You can look at and read it through it in Luke 15. 
One of the things that came up that I appreciated is, is that God knows you before you're born and is excited about what you are going to be and do in life. And there's some, there's some other scriptures we looked at that, that bears that out. And so for every one of us, we have some gifts that we are given. And, and so if we are participating, if we're not, well, first of all, let me take a time out here. One of the things I'd like to preach through is, is talking about spiritual giftedness, and maybe we'll do that here later this year. I think it would be really something really rich for the church here and, and something that's a, been a blessing for me in my own spiritual walk. But first of all, recognizing that you have gifts and then asking yourselves, am I using those gifts and am I using those gifts in the community of God? Because if I'm walking through life as a Christian and I'm not even considering what God is, has, how God has made me and how I'm designed to, to use that, then what's going to happen is, is you're going to miss out. And so is everybody else around you. Because your presence and what you bring is, is not being shared as it could. And so when we look at all of this here, this community that God has created for us, a community that is unique, a community that is healing, a community that, that is forgiving, that is helping, that is transforming, that is gifted, and we're designed to be a community of God made to be a light to the world. So think about this for a second. There is a, something I noticed, and it was something I, I listened to and read, heard this week as well, that made me think about this. But look at, go ahead and go back to Matthew. This is what Noah read here as a scripture reading, just a minute. Matthew chapter 5. In verse 14, when we talk about don't cover a, a lamp, you're supposed to be a light on a hill and all of that, and I tend to think lighthouse, okay, you can't really see it here, but that's a picture of a lighthouse there behind me. Think of this lighthouse, this, this, this lone structure standing on a hill that provides light for everywhere around. And so often that's about where my, the analogy stops in my head. Okay, well, I understand I'm supposed to be a light to the world, so I've got to be a good example when I, when I talk to people and with my parents and my family and, and my children and all that. And I just need to be a good example to the people I'm around, and there I am, a light to the world. But you notice what Jesus says here in verse 14. You are a light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden, or a city on a hill. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's not talking about one of us in our own personal walk of life. He's saying you as people, plural, more than one of you, as you live together in this city, you become this light that shines to the people around. It's amazing traveling around Italy and um, seeing the cities built during the medieval times that are built on tops of hills for defense purposes. And at night, you can be far away, and you can look, and you can see those glimmering lights that are up there that shine out around the darkness. It's not just one light, it's not two, but it's several. It's a whole city that is up there that is shining. And it's made me think how important this passage speaks of community. So as if Jesus is saying, it's not all about just you being a good example. It's about you being the example of what it means to live in community. That's what this light is all about, this light. Because what we see as we open the newspaper and as we turn on the news channel and as we pull up the app on our phone is that there is conflict and battles and fighting all around us. But as a community of God, we're called to be something different, this light on a hill that shines for the people around us. How we interact in community is what Jesus is talking about here. 
It's beautiful and it's powerful. Now, living in community is one of those things that, um, and I'm just I'm going to share here from the heart a bit. And uh, something I've done before is is please don't understand. Please understand, I'm not pointing anybody out, okay? That's not at all the point. Years ago, one of my mentors said, Chris, never ever preach to somebody because, number one, they won't hear it. And number two, it's going to starve everybody else, okay? Don't do that. Just share God's word and throw it out there. And wherever it lands, it lands. That's just how it is. And so there was one time that I shared some things like this. I said, I'm not going to... There was a, this was years and years ago. I, someone said, I know you're talking to me because you looked at me. And someone else said, I know you're talking to me because you didn't look at me. So here it is. I'm not going to look at anybody. There it is. Okay, I'm just, I'm just sharing here. Okay. This is it. But it's hard to be community if we only interact with our community a couple of times a month. Isn't it? Think about this. If I grew up in a home or if you grew up in a home, and this wasn't my case, but what if you had a, a father that just showed up twice a month kind of to, to say hi, to and, and eat dinner, and then headed out the door again? That wouldn't build a ton of community, would it? I think we would be starving if emotionally in some ways. And I think that's what happens to us spiritually, is that we, uh, we can starve ourselves some ways just not interacting with the community as, as, uh, as much as God intended us. And what happens, again, going back to giftedness, is that you're missing out and everyone else is missing out because giftedness is, is, not, uh, is not being used as much. And again, what I'm, my point is not to bring guilt here. It's just for all of us, every one of us, including myself, I'm just working out my own stuff here in front of everybody else, is to reflect in, in where I'm at and, um, and to pursue, pursue God and make those next steps to be more what God wants me to be. Uh, this year... I would really encourage you to make a commitment to be part of uh, the community on a, on a very real level here in the church. And there, some of that can happen on Sunday morning like this. And it's one of the things, one of my favorite times of Sunday morning is right after the final amen happens, everybody just comes alive and starts talking. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful because that's, spiritual fellowship stuff that's happening that's going to encourage us as we go back out into to the world. It's awesome. It's great. And it's as spiritual as anything we do. It's great. It's wonderful. And, it, and that's awesome. And so there's some great fellowship that happens there. But I would encourage you to take a step even further than that. Because there's something that happens when we sit down with a smaller group of people and we share life. I know that uh, there's... A number of different groups that participate in the church here. There's a few different men's groups. There's some ladies' groups. There's ladies' Bible class. There's teen group. There's, there's all sorts of smaller groups that you can latch onto and you can participate with. I think the, the singles groups, you guys are, the stuff that I hear that you guys participate in, I'm always impressed. I'm amazed at and seeing pictures that are out there that just a neat stuff that you guys do together. But I think about, uh, I'm going to make a pitch here for life groups for just a second here is that something we do is organize life groups and, and ask people to, a few families together, meet in homes or meet at the church building with a purpose of saying, we're going to share life together and we're going to do so in, in a context where we can, uh, where we can share our, our personal stories. Because what happens in our context here is you hear my stories and you hear my sermons but sitting around the table, every one of us share life, don't we? 
I know that in, in times and, and sometimes, and understand, let me say this and back up just a little bit here, is that uh, sharing life is not always exciting. It's not always one of those things that we come away from saying, oh, that was amazing, that was fantastic, that's great. But sharing life is one of those things that we do consistently, a little bit at a time. And before we realize it, we look around and say, wait a minute, we've built something here. We've built some trust. We've built some friendships. We've built something that can be really good going forward. And I know that um, at times uh, I have sat in life groups where we meet afterwards, usually in the groups that I've been a part of, we meet after assembly, and there's a question that comes up that someone shares, and I think, man, I had no idea that they have experienced that or they've been through that. And, wow, I, boy, I've got a lot to learn from that person. That's something that's really, uh, really beneficial. That's something that's amazing there. And I'm, I'm listening and I'm learning. And we build community that way. Um, and it's, it's something that is, uh, that's really beneficial. And let me share, share this from a, a different angle as well. Um, there was a, a study a number of years ago that, that came out that scared churches to death. 80% of kids who grew up in the church are leaving the church. Do you remember some of that when those studies came out? Man, it was terrifying to people, terrifying. Because, oh no, what's happening here in our world? And, and of course, look around. There's, we, don't, we don't have to look very far to realize that, that our world's got some shortcomings, just like the time of the Civil War, or the, you know, whatever. There's always shortcomings that happen. But one of the things that uh, there was some, uh, some researchers during that time that went back and said, all right, we're going to look and see what, what's happening here. And those surveys were done primarily in larger churches where there was what they call siloed ministries, where there's a silo here, there's a silo here, there's a silo here, and these ministries are separated and they don't intertwine or intermingle. And as they went back and, and researched and figured out and asked, okay, we're not going to we're not going to just survey the people that said, hey, we're done with church, we're gone, we're out of this, forget you, I'm done with church because of all this stuff that happened. We're going to survey the people that are around. Why did they stick? And what they found was that kids who grew up in the church that stuck around, there was a few common denominators, and one of them, by far the largest one, was that they had somewhere in their childhood teen years, found somebody who was another generation than them that they could look at and say, hey, that's kind of what I want to be like. That's sort of, that's neat. I see that they're doing adult life well. We don't think in those ways when we're kids. But they needed somebody else aside from parents to say, this is what godliness looks like. And it wasn't a whole lot of investment. Oftentimes it wasn't somebody who is not a parent saying, hey, let's, once a week, let's go out and eat ice cream, let's talk about life. It wasn't anything like that. It was just somehow lives collided, like in life group, where someone who as a child was participating or was there, and one of the adults just started saying, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing in school? How's life going for you? And gave them candy and talked with them and laughed with them and joked with them. And what happened is they went along. The kids thought, That's a kind of, yeah, I like that. That's good. This is good. I'm okay with this. And the opposite happened. And that's one of the great blessings that can happen with life groups is you get people that are intergenerational together sitting around and people from really different walks of life trying to think, how on earth are we going to do? <laughs> let's walk through this together. Let's, let's share together. 
Here in the next few days, we're going to have a survey up that, um, that will be sent out via Flocknote, and you can fill it out for your family if you'd like to participate in Life Groups or not. And, and just some questions on, on roles and, and how you'd like to serve if you'd like to and, and all of that. But what I would encourage for you is the benefits of being part of a small group that has a spiritual focus, whatever it may be, are huge, and they make a huge difference for us spiritually. And so as we look through this, being a, a unique, a healing, a forgiving, helping, transforming, gifted community of God, community, not just a single lighthouse, but a community made to be a light to the world, Every one of us uh, can pursue that today to be part of the solution of what that community looks like and be a light to the, the people around us. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back. And there's people back there waiting for you. And they can, we can pray together. And again...